Good afternoon and happy Mother's Day. Hope all the moms out there have had a wonderful day. Happy Mother's Day, especially to my mom and my lovely wife, Carol. Instead of a regular podcast, this week will be our short Mother's Day message from our church family. And then at the end, a couple of songs by my lovely young daughter, Sadie and Caitlin. Enjoy. Hey, thanks for coming out. And I love having the kids out here. And I'm glad that we have a space where these kids can run around and enjoy it. My kids are too old to run around and enjoy it, I know. They like tearing up the pavement instead of the grass. Well, she still tears up the grass a lot. She doesn't tear up the grass as much. Now she tears up the pavement. But uh, I just wanted to talk today a little bit about family. Um, Because I think there's probably a lot of churches that do Mother's Day and they always come up with some sort of like crazy Mother's Day message that's a complete theological nightmare because they're trying to put together all these strange things to make it interesting like it's not not what it's about like when you think about mother's day it's really it's about family right and it starts with dad so the whole idea of mother's day is that mothers are best they're they are at their best when we are good men right when we serve our women well and we treat them well and we love them well and we serve them like they should be served sacrificially like Jesus Christ served the church straight from his mouth, right? That's the way we do things. So I think that's a constant reminder. So family is a thing. And I'll only take a few minutes of your time. The kids can get back to playing. But it's the day of the Lord today. So we come together and and we worship him and we pray to him. And I think it's worthwhile that we just take about 10 minutes and just honor him through our words and through our prayer. So if you would pray with me just for a minute, and um, and then we'll uh, get to it. So Father God, we just thank you for who you are, and I thank you for all this food and all these lovely people who came to spend time with us this morning. I thank you for the sound of all the kids and their giggling voices and their feet pounding the ground and the balls being kicked, and we just, we love you, Lord. We love you for this amazing creation, and thank you for letting us enjoy it. So we thank you today for our moms. And we thank you for your word that you've given us that we may become more intimate with you. And we thank you for all of our blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so talk about family, like a strong nuclear family. So and just a quick reminder. This is not a big, huge theology lesson, but just kind of a, a reminder about Jesus' family. So when you talk about Jesus coming on the scene, um, when you get to Luke, it starts a lot with this idea of his cousins. So... Zacharias and Elizabeth, his cousins. If you remember, they were John the Baptist's parents. So John the Baptist's parents. Zacharias is a priest. He's a a Levitical priest. He is in the temple doing temple duties when the angel comes to him and is like, hey, you're going to have a kid. And he's like, really? I'm kind of too old to have a kid. And then my wife's going, how is this going to happen? Show me proof. So he's like, well, you're going to be dumb until your kid is born, which means... He can't talk. So, okay, well, apparently this guy's got some power over me, and he's made me dumb. And remember, Gabriel also goes, the angel Gabriel goes to Elizabeth and is like, hey, you're going to have a baby, and it's going to be the baby that comes in the place of Elijah to welcome in the Messiah. And she's like, really? I'm kind of old. I've been barren. Is this really going to happen? You know, and this is interesting what she says, right? Elizabeth... By the way, she's the bloodline of Aaron, has any Aaronic priesthood. So both of these people are priestly people who they come from. She became pregnant and she stayed in seclusion this time. It must have been weird because she was shamed because for a Jewish woman not to be able to give birth would have been shameful. So 
she now is becoming pregnant. She stayed inside. Like, what are people going to think about this? This is interesting what she says in Luke 25. She said, this is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace amongst men. So if you imagine, if you would, isn't this the way that we should respond to God when he does good things in our lives? Because what we do as people is we like to, in the contemporary church, get all excited about God when we're down. It's like, I don't have enough money in the bank. Oh, please, God, I just need help with this next bill. Our relationship with our wife or our husband isn't going well. Oh, please, God, just fix my relationship. You can fill in the blank with all kinds. Please take this alcoholism away from me. Please make my kids behave better. Please make work. Whatever it is, we beg God. We get all excited about asking for God for his provision when things really are not good. But when things really are good, we kind of forget about God and we set them aside because we don't need them anymore. Because everything's perfect. And we're kind of like, eh, everything's good. Now think about this. Elizabeth, in this time where she now is with child and things are about to get great, she still is at a point where she is saying, this is the way the Lord has dealt with me. He looked upon me with favor to take away my disgrace. So when things get good in our lives, publicly, we should be like, hey, why are you having such a good day? Why are things so good? Because God blessed me. That's why they're good. Because God sees me with favor. That's why they're good. Because he's given these things. He's given me this family. He's given me this wife, these kids. You know, in verse 6 of, six of uh, Luke 1, one of the things that Luke records is that Zacharias and Elizabeth were righteous in the sight of the Lord. And this is a pretty big deal. There were only 10 people in the entire Bible that were called righteous in the sight of the Lord without having Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior that they knew about at the time. They looked to the Messiah, but they didn't know it was really Jesus yet. And that was Noah, Lot, Joseph of Arimathea, Abel, Joseph, Cornelius, John the Baptist, Zacharias, Elizabeth, and Simeon. So pretty interesting that they are found right at the top of this, this, um, this list of people. Um, and I would ask, you know, from this perspective, um, as a mom, and we only have a couple of moms here, but I think it's really important to say is when you are a mom and things are going good and things are really good for you is what impact do you have on the people that are around you? When people ask you about why are your kids behaving so well, how did you do that with your kid? Why do things look so good in your life? And the, the, the answer always should be that God has found favor with me. God has found favor with me. It's a really important thing to remind people around us when things are going well, you remind them that we give it all to God. How do we deal with what the world offers us? Our response to the world is really important, right? The things that we do in our life as a response to what the world does to us is a really important thing for them to understand our walk with Him. It is really kind of one of our best missions is when people see us go through stuff good or bad and how we respond to it it should always be res responding with holiness so that when they ask how did you get through that you can say because I've got Jesus on my side and he's unbeatable he's unstoppable he really is the way as he as he said um, and then specifically for the ladies that would be here 
um, the way your kids act. Now, kids are always going to act like animals. They're always going to do things that we don't want them to do. They're going to get crazy and get out of control, but that's not bad. Kids are learning. They learn to do things through pushing limits. They learn to do things through activities and touching things and putting things in their mouth and sticking things in the light sockets and all that crazy stuff. And that's okay. It's okay that they do those things because they're learning and we develop them as kids. But there's something about the way that our kids act when they need to act well and we exercise authority over them that is really important. And it's always a constant reminder to me when I see moms and their kids and they're like, hey, now's the time and their kids obey. And I'm like, that kid really respects their mom because probably their mom is doing things rightly in the home that helps them to understand this. Dad's a big part of that as well. But today's Mother's Day, so you'll get your day later. So, and then faithfully loving your husband is a really important part of it. Faithfully loving your husband in all things, right? So making sure that your husband is served well and making sure that your husband is loving you well. So that means supporting him in what he does, giving him, uh, you know, uh, um, good counsel, but it also means rebuke sometimes as well, right? So in this partnership, it's being honest with your husband about the things in life that he is doing that you may disagree with, right? So although the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, she is there with him on this journey and there is part of this faith team and she needs to be available for that. And then when things do get tough, do, do you as a woman retreat to the Lord? So do you go to God? Or do you just go into your shell and get a, you have a pity party? Or do you, do you go to God and take it in? So then, so those are Jesus' cousins. Now talk about Mary. So Joseph was a, was a religious man as well. He was Mary's betrothed. They were in a religious household. Their whole family is Jewish. Mary also, who had found favor with God, she's a Levitical descent, so Levitical priest. And God obviously put Jesus in her miraculously, right? So... God incarnate, put her in a room. And this is interesting. I want, to, I want you to listen to these words. This is pretty cool. Um, when the angel came to Mary, the angel Gabriel, it's recorded in Luke 138 after their little discussion. Mary said this, behold the Lord's bond servant. May it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel left. I want you to hold on to that for a second because we're going to get into this. Your will be done, is essentially what she's saying. May it be done to me according to your word. Depending on your translation, may your will be done. This is what Mary prays to God out loud. Is this your prayer for yourself, Mom? Is it your prayer for yourself that your will is done in your life, in the life of your kids? Is it God's will that you want for them? So then Mary takes off. She was probably sent away to be with Elizabeth and her husband probably because it would have been weird for a 15 year old girl to be pregnant with no husband and they sent her away by the way when they sent her away we often hear this story where mary takes off and she meets elizabeth and then the baby john the baptist leaps inside of her stomach inside of her womb for the first time and we're like oh what a pretty story the part of that story they don't tell you about is she's 15 years old she's pregnant and she walked 150 miles in a barren desert to get to her cousin's house <laughs> like yeah so hey mom and dad i'm pregnant miraculously and they're like load the donkey you're going to your cousin's house so we all don't get in trouble for this right so she gets there she's greeted and she joyfully responds realizing that the messiah is being carried inside of her womb she basically says hey 
You're carrying the Messiah. I want to read this uh, for a second. This is pretty interesting. I want to read Mary's prayer. This is an interesting prayer that's going to show us just how religious Mary was, how much she loved her God. In Luke 1, starting in verse 46, Mary, God's mom, Jesus' mom, says this. This is a prayer, by the way, off the top of her head as far as we know, not written down. It says, my soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in, my, in God, my Savior, for he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on all generations will he count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the heart in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. And then Mary stayed with them for three months. You know what's cool about that little prayer that she just prayed in Luke, in Luke 1? It is a mixture of multiple Psalms, the book of Job, the book of Genesis, the book of Habakkuk, and the book of Samuel, all in one prayer. So this lady knew enough of the Old Testament that she could recite a prayer from favorite spots in the Bible and stick them all together, knowing that those were the important parts for her specific time, mission, and walk in her life. And I guess the question would be, do we do that, specifically moms, when life is going on? Are you able to recall the word of God and say, this is my prayer to God, that this is written on your heart and written in your brain enough that you can do that. By the way, that prayer in, uh, in Latin is called the Magnificat, the Magnificat, which essentially in the whole thing is called the Magnificat Anima Mea Dominum, which is the, my soul magnifies the Lord. That's what she is saying to God. It's also known as the Canticle of Mary and the Ode to Theotokos, but that's Greek. I like the Latin version, it's pretty cool, right? Magnifica anima meo dominum, pretty neat. So Mary knows the word of God really well. My question would be is, do you? Does the word of God swell up in your heart? So I'm gonna finish with this. I know this is really short, but I think this is a really important part. If you remember when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, Right, he is getting ready to die. He goes to the garden. His disciples have decided to take a nap while he's in there praying. He is sweating blood. Satan is there. He is pushing on him hard. You don't need to do this. Right, he's being tempted. And at some point, Jesus is so overwhelmed in his flesh that he actually asks God if there's another way to do this. Like, he knows, he's God, he knows what's coming. If you think, the horrible part was that a cat of nine tails was whipping the flesh off from his back so that the bones were exposed, his ribs. Or if you think the hard part was marching the tree up the hill, or the hard part was the stakes being driven through his wrists and his feet, it's not. The hardest part of this whole thing is he knew that all of God's wrath, all of God's hatred was poured out on him in that moment when he died. So every horrible humanly thing that human beings could ever even imagine or do is dropped on that man's body in a moment's time. And he was like, 
I don't know if I can do this. And this is what he said in Luke 22, 42. He said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. So a little reminder, this is what Mary prayed when she had totally no idea what was going on. And God, through Gabriel, came to her and said, hey, you're going to have the Messiah she said, Behold the Lord's God's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. May it be done to me. Your will be done. Christ says as he is getting ready to go die, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus prayed like his mom prayed. What a cool example of what it's like to be a godly family and know what our kids are going to be like when they grow up and how they are going to reciprocate what we pour into them. As you guys know, especially you guys, we spend a lot of time away from home and our kids are young. We go do all these, you know, crazy things and write the stories that, you know, men speak of in later years and write tall tales about. But the moms are home praying with our kids when they go to bed, when they get up, before they eat. Jesus prayed what his mom prayed. Is an amazing example because as a man, he was brought up like a child. And the word of God says that he learned. He learned to be a carpenter. He learned the word of God. He learned to read. He went to the temple at 12 and he read from the scrolls. He pulled out a scroll and he read it. Who was there doing that? His father was working all the time. It was Mary. She was teaching him how to pray. Mary's prayer at 15 was, your will be done, Lord. And Jesus' prayer when he goes to die is, your will be done, Lord. A very amazing picture of our kids receiving from our moms in our life what they need spiritually. And I think a very important part of knowing that as men, we need to pour into our wives so, so fervently because our wives are going to pour into our kids what we want for them, which is primarily salvation through Jesus Christ, right? That is the important thing. And then if you look at Jesus' walk for the remainder of the time through the Gospels, all the way up until that time where he said to God, your will be done, and you look at the people that were there at the end, a whole bunch of them were uncles, cousins, and brothers. For the guy who the rest of society thought was the craziest dude ever to walk the planet, and they rebuked him and killed him, a whole bunch of his family was like, he's the guy. He created such an amazing legacy through his family that people were drawn to him, loved him, and were there for him, not only in his death, but there for him afterwards when he... Um, walked with them for 40 days after he uh, rose from the dead. So our moms are a very important part of that. And I think that simple prayer and making that relation really shows how much we do as dads to pour into our moms, but then primarily for moms, how they have such a huge role in what our kids' spiritual lives look like. It's great that they play a role in their lives for sports. It's great that they play a role in their lives for reading and math. Like those are all good things. <laughs> There's one thing in life that is ultimately important, and that's knowing your Savior, so that when this all comes to an end, 
we are secure in where our children go. So I think it's important today as we celebrate moms and think about our moms, it's great to be like they tirelessly work for us. Okay, we know that already. Like we got that. We heard that sermon a million times. Thank you for that. There's a lot of dads that tirely work too. What the really important thing is, is remember your responsibility as a mom to pour the hope that lies in you into your kids so that when they get older and that time comes and they're about to cross over into the next, like their mom prays, they say, Lord, your will be done. So I hope you got something out of that today. So pray with me and then we'll let the kids uh, uh, do a uh, small activity and we'll move on. Father God, we thank you for who you are. Uh, we just thank you for the amazing examples you give us in your word, Lord. Um, the people you used, they were like us in so many ways. Simple people who love you, um, who didn't even know the amazing things that they would do because of the power that you put in them through the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for Mary and the lessons that she gave and the raising she gave to your son. It is such an amazing story to see that our Savior would pray just as his mom prayed when she was a child. And we thank you for the moms that are not here, that are part of our group, whether they be working uh, or whatever it is they're doing. They're not here off celebrating other moms elsewhere in the state. Um, we thank you for them. We ask that you lift them up, strengthen them. For the moms that are here today, we thank you for them very much, Lord, that they would feel special today, that they would all get flowers and loved on and special meals and expensive gifts. We just want to adorn them, Lord. Let them know how special they are to us. And we ask that the gifts that we're going to hand to the kids here get brought to their moms, that they may be able to shower them and make them feel special because they are special, Lord just as Mary was special. So we thank you for this time, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to come out here and break bread in your name. We thank you for the blood spilt from your son. We thank you for his broken body. And we thank you for who you are, the one who sent our precious and amazing Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. When the best of me is barely breathing When I'm not somebody I believe in Hold on to me When I miss the light, the night is stolen When I'm slamming all the doors you've opened
Sandman.